Hey Saints fans, happy Black and Gold Friday to you. I'm Caroline Gonzalez coming to you on our New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Friday. Well, we know it's a huge game week as the Saints get set to take on the 49ers this Sunday. Hey, Saints fans, you're listening. You know how big of a game this is. 10-2 and versus 10-2 and an opportunity to clinch the one seed and a better chance to secure home field advantage for the Saints leading up to the Super Bowl. So if you're going to the Dome on Sunday, we need you on your worst behavior. We need you to be as loud as you can possibly be. You make a huge impact. If you've ever been in the Dome, you know how much of an impact you make. So be loud and be proud. If you're watching, you can watch the game on NFL on Fox. And that leads me into our guest. Kevin Burkhart will join John DeShazer and I on the show today. And we'll also have our Fantasy Football Friday segment with Derek James. But first up, let's get into our interview with Kevin Burkhart. Kevin, you've been around plenty of stadiums and across all sports leagues. You've been in the Dome for a playoff game. How valuable is being home for the Saints for this game with so much on the line? Yeah, I I think sometimes, you know, you talk about home field and 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 it's a little overrated. I don't think it's overrated in New Orleans. I think there are a few places where it really genuinely does make a difference most times. I think New Orleans is definitely one of them. Um, And and I think, hey, you know, it it is a factor, especially for a team who, you know, San Francisco is fantastic. And and you can make an argument, I, I think, I think right now it's an argument for three teams who are the, who are actually the best in the NFC, and two of them are playing on Sunday. But you know they still are relatively inexperienced in terms of big games. They played great in a loss to Baltimore last week. They killed Green Bay a couple weeks ago at home. So I don't know that it's necessarily going to affect them. But I know this: it doesn't hurt New Orleans, uh, and I always think that's a big factor when you're playing there. Kevin, one of the things that generally travels in any sport is defense. Um, we're looking at San Francisco's pass defense, 134 yards a game, which is something that is in today's NFL just about, I would think, almost impossible to accomplish. Uh, have you seen them play? And, and what stands out about what they're doing defensively in the pass game? Because, again, you're talking about 134 yards a game. That's Nowadays, that's a, that's a quarter uh, for, an, for an NFL quarterback. Yeah, J.D., it's incredible. I, I think there are a couple of, of things when you watch them. Their pass rush is the best in the NFL. That's number one. They have it from all angles. They've got multiple guys that get to the quarterback. It's not just one guy. Uh, they're very hard to, to stop there. So you combine that with the fact that they've got a good secondary. You know, Richard Sherman is playing just like he has all the time in his all-pro years. He's, you know, one extra year removed from that Achilles injury. And I think the other thing, which is underrated for them, it's starting to get noticed now because he was – uh, he was player of the month, I believe, this week, is is their middle linebacker, Fred Warner. This guy is incredible. Second-year player from BYU. And the thing that separates him is, in college, he was a nickel linebacker, which meant he covered a lot of slot receivers. So you're talking about in passing downs, you have the best pass rush in the league. And then you get a linebacker that has the ability and the speed to cover fast guys. I think that's, uh, in a nutshell, why they're so good. You know, I don't know how individualized they, you know, how much one-on-one they play in the secondary, but Michael Thomas against that secondary, and I guess specifically maybe the thought of him going up against Sherman, is that one of those things, you know, we kind of salivate over it, but is that one of the things that you think, you know, even announcers kind of look at and say, you know what, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this one? Oh, we always do. You know, we always are looking at matchups like that that we can't wait to see. I don't necessarily know that you're going to see that all the time because the Niners are primarily a zone team. So. Yeah. 
Richard Sherman, for the most part, is going to stay on the left side of the field. And if Michael Thomas is there, he'll be on him. Um, you know, but who knows? They do mix in some man. And if Thomas starts going off, I just think with the Saints' weapons, you know, it, it's always a, a pick your poison, right? If you, if you spend too many resources on him, well, then Kamara gets going. Or then you get Hill going. So, I, I think you'll see that matchup some of the time. Of course, we'll love to see it. But I don't know that uh, – I think it would be a pretty rare occurrence if all of a sudden they change their mantra and decide to have Sherman travel. Is it fair to include Michael Thomas right now in that MVP conversation? Because, you know, it's 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 the storyline right now. A lot of people are talking about it. But do you think it's fair to include Michael Thomas in that MVP conversation? Caroline, I think it's fair to include him, but I, I don't think he's in that top tier. Mm-hmm. And that is no disrespect to him. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. He's been for the last few years. Um, but I just... I think, look, when you look at the MVP, it's subjective like anything else. I just don't know how you can make a case for anyone other than Lamar Jackson right now. I don't. Um, you know, there's there's certainly other people in that mix. Russell Wilson is right there. I think Thomas deserves to be in the conversation. But I, I just cannot put anybody above Lamar Jackson. Watching Baltimore this year, just had him last week. I, I, I think for me, uh, that's the guy right now. Well, I think it helps when you have Mark Ingram in your corner, too. <laughs> Hey, you know what? You guys know. I mean, he's been a great, a perfect fit there because, you know, I, and I know that uh, I know the Saints wanted to keep him. It didn't work out. But you think about the playoffs last year. The Chargers beat the Ravens by playing seven defensive backs because they, they tried to put speed out there to counter Lamar's speed. Well, they can't do that anymore because Ingram is just knocking people over, which you guys saw for years in New Orleans. It, it has been a huge signing. I agree. Kevin, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay a little Baltimore themed here, I guess, but not quite. But you know, you, you saw you mentioned Lamar Jackson, and we we've seen the phenom that he is. Uh, but he looks a little bit slight, uh, and yet you know people can't really, I guess, get a good square hit on him. Whereas I guess with the Saints and Taysom Hill not playing the exact same way, but Taysom Hill he gets fewer opportunities. But he's just trucking people when he gets the opportunity. But with a guy like Lamar Jackson, is it surprising that, you know, as slight as he appears to be, that, you know, nothing major has happened, I guess, yet? He he, he seems to be able to get away uh, from all the square-up hits. You know, it's an interesting kind of comparison you bring up, J.D. I mean, Lamar, you know, so I was talking to Charles Davis, my partner, who obviously does the, the draft and did college for years. I, I saw Lamar play in college, but I didn't really size him up. Charles said he's put on a good amount of muscle, uh, and even from last year. He's still not going to be the size of Taysom Hill. Taysom, Taysom's a marvel because not only does he, he, he want to run people over, but he's faster than most people. And <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, it, it, it's, only, it's only because of all the injuries in college that you didn't really get to, to, to see or hear about him as much. I, he, he's amazing to me. And, you know, I think when you watch him as you have – the beautiful thing about what Sean Payton has done in this in this offense is he's, he went from, in my eyes, and I don't know how you guys feel, he went from being, you know, kind of a, a novelty. He'd come in and, and do some great things and help them out. I think he's their big play guy now. I, I think he is the guy when he comes in. It's not so much as, okay, watch, they don't do something crazy. It's look out, there's not a 40-yard run in here. Or he, he's just got such incredible ability, and, and it's very difficult to defend. I don't know how you game plan for him because they use him different every week. Yeah, we were pretty supply, pretty surprised at the end of training camp when the Saints decided to keep two tight ends, and and Sean Payton basically said, "Well, Taysom will be the third tight end," and he's 
He's filled every role that they've that they've looked for him to fill. Uh, the Saints have had some injuries on along that offensive line, and you know they're probably going to be playing without that left side at least the starters again this week. Uh, has San Francisco been able to take it? Well, San Francisco has been able to take advantage of everybody, but you know how, how do you see that playing out maybe for the Saints against a, a really, as you mentioned, formidable defensive line? I think it's a heck of a matchup. I mean, I thought earlier in the year that the Saints had uh, or were playing as the best offensive line in, in football. And, you know, they obviously injuries with Andrews being out and Armstead. Armstead did get back to practice yesterday, right? So maybe there is a, a chance that he can play. Yeah, he was limited. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, and I know they want, they've already clinched the division. I know they want the number one seed, but that's tough. You need him for the long haul. Look, I think if, if Armstead doesn't play, it, it's absolutely a challenge. And, and I do think that Omame and Easton uh, played well last week. I think they did a nice job uh, and certainly more than held their own. Easton's got plenty of experience, and so does Omame. Um, but no doubt it'll be a challenge, uh, especially because the 49ers are getting D Ford back, who was out a couple weeks, and he's a pass rush specialist on third down, six and a half sacks on the year. So uh, for, for me, that is – I mean, that's the matchup to watch in this game. It's plain and simple. If the 49ers get home, uh, they're going to win the game. If they don't, I think it really just comes down to that. On the defensive side of the ball, Kevin, the Saints, obviously the key is making them one-dimensional, uh, or the Niners one-dimensional. They're going against a number two team in rushing offense in the Niners who average 148 yards per game. But the Saints right now are struggling at that linebacker position with a few injuries. How do you predict that matchup is going to go against with the, with the Saints defense trying to limit the 49ers offense run game? Yeah, I mean it's obviously not ideal uh, with them banged up, but I, you know, I think they, I think they at least have experience there. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Craig Robertson is a solid player. You know, and, and I know, look, Stephon Anthony, their former first round pick, he got some time last week. It, is it ideal? No, but I think the most important thing, Carolina, is that Demario Davis is healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, because he is, he's been sensational since he signed that year with the, with the, uh, that deal from the Jets. So I think having him is really uh, the biggest factor there. And the thing is, it's as good as they are running it overall, the 49ers, for me, have success when they get to the edge, right? So they have such good speed at running back. We saw it last week against Baltimore. If you can, if you can contain them from getting to the edge and getting those big runs. So to me, it's not only DeMario Davis, but I think a guy like Von Bell is going to have to have a big game this week and kind of run support from that safety position. All right, Kevin. Well, when do you get in town? I know you, you mentioned you're not here yet. When do you get in? I'm getting in a little later today, a little later than normal. So, uh, you know, I had some some stuff to take care of at home, but I uh, can't wait to be there and be there for this game on Sunday. I know you were here for playoffs last year. Do you, have you found a, a go-to restaurant yet in New Orleans that you can't just pass up every time you come in? You know, it's uh, it's really hard to limit it to one. I think <laughs> we, we usually end up we we usually end up going somewhere different every time, just because there's so many choices. So I. Our group at least doesn't have like a go-to. We mix it up every single time. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just too good, Caroline. We got to take got to take advantage. We get down there and eat, you know. I, I, you're no complaints here. I'm, I'm totally on board with what you're saying, Kevin. We appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to your call on Sunday. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Sunday. Great insight from Kevin, of course, on the game this weekend. We look forward to hearing his call on Sunday, as I'm sure many of you do, because if you know Kevin Burkhart, you know he is good, kind of good at what he does. All right, let's go ahead and get into our Fantasy Football Friday segment with Derek James. 
Derek, we have breakfast on the line. I hope you didn't forget. We have breakfast on the line for our leagues. I am 11-2. and two. I don't think anyone else in my league is paying attention because I'm playing with our Saints digital media squad. <laughs> so I'm currently the, the, the winner right now with 11-2. and two. But how are your teams doing? My team's uh, doing well. So I, I finished the year kind of on a tear through my three leagues. Um, I finished winning 15 out of the last 18 games of, of the season. So uh, two of my well, three, all three of my teams have made the playoffs. Uh, one of them has a bye week. I'm sitting at ten and three, so you beat me there. All right. Um, and then I have another team that's eight and five, and one that's seven and six. So uh, we, we're getting ready for playoffs now. A lot is on the line. So Derek, you mentioned last week Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He was one of your sit-em players uh, going into last week, and he obviously didn't perform well. Do you have any of that this week? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Rodgers against San Francisco he ended up being a bust. Uh, yeah, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> I have him on two of my teams. Okay. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. He's going up against the New England defense. Interesting. That's a that's a tough matchup for for every team. The uh, the, the Patriots have the second rated pass defense in the NFL, and they have given up the fewest fantasy football points to quarterbacks. Uh, they have given up 163 yards per game to quarterbacks. Pat Mahomes hasn't crossed the 200 yard mark any of the last couple of weeks since he's been back from the injury. He is a guy that, at least in one league, I'm definitely sitting. It's always interesting to me to see, like you mentioned Aaron Rodgers a few weeks ago and obviously Pat Mahomes, when you have these obviously very high-caliber players, but then you decide to sit them. I think that's always very interesting. Like this past week I had uh, Josh Allen and Dak Prescott as my possible quarterbacks, mm -hmm. and I sat Dak and played Josh Allen just because of the matchup. So yeah. I always think it's pretty interesting when those things happen. Yeah, absolutely. This time of year especially, I mean, if you – Spend too much time worrying about making sure your name guys are in. Yeah. That, that's going to cost you a playoff game potentially. So don't be afraid to bench them. Hmm. All right. So before we get into the bench them guys, start them guys for you going into uh, this week. Uh, one guy. So we, we're talking quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes. Uh, one player that I was fortunate enough to pick up a few weeks back, uh, somebody inexplicably waved him. Uh, was Kirk Cousins. Okay. Uh, he is 86% home. He has a he has a great matchup this week going up against Detroit. Uh, they have the seventh. They've given up the seventh most fantasy football points to quarterbacks. Game is being played indoors, and Cousins really to me has really assembled quietly a fantasy football MVP type season. He is he has been on fire. Um, one other guy that I like to, I would like to mention is Ryan Tannehill. Okay. Uh, he's going up against the Raiders. He's only 45% owned, so he might be sitting out there as a guy that you could possibly pick up. Um, he, he didn't have his best performance last week against the Colts, but he scored 20 or more points in uh, pretty much every game he has started this year except for one last week. Um, so, honestly, uh, he is – I never thought I would be saying this weeks ago, but he is somebody I'm considering – Starting ahead of Pat Mahomes this week. Wow. Yep. Okay, are there any guys that you think uh, people need to pick up now? I mean, we're ramping up for playoffs and stuff. Are there any guys that you think people absolutely need to go out and get on their roster? Yeah, I have a few. So uh, Golden Tate, uh, he's only 73% owned. I think a lot of people benched him or, or waved him a, a few weeks back because of his concussion. So mm -hmm. uh, he's out there in a lot of leagues sitting. He's been, he's been tearing it up this year. Obviously, and he, this week he's going up against the Eagles' fifth. Uh, I'm sorry, the Eagles' pass defense that's given up the fifth most fantasy football points this year. So wow. uh, he's he's a guy you ought to go out and grab. Another guy I mentioned he played last night, so uh, he's probably subject to waivers at this point in your league. But Anthony Miller, uh, the receiver with the Bears, he has been consistent for four straight weeks. He had a, scored a touchdown last night. Um, so 
make him a must-add next week because he has some good matchups down the stretch. Uh, the last guy I want to mention is Tyler Higby. Uh, he is the Rams' tight end right now. Uh, Gerald Everett is out with injuries, with, with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Higby last week, he went up against the Arizona defense. He had seven catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. He's going up against the Seahawks defense this week. Uh, they're giving up the second most fantasy football points to tight ends. Looks like Gerald Everett's going to miss another week, so he is a must-start if you have a need for a tight end or a, uh, a flex position. Oh, I do have a need for a tight end. I might have to go do that when we when we finish with this interview. All right, so playoffs. It doesn't really matter what your record is anymore. It's it's playoff time. If you lose, you know it's it's over. So, do you have any playoff advice for people? Yeah, the, the main advice I want to give people is. Realize that the the field of teams that are actually participating has been cut in half. Essentially, mm-hmm. most twelve team leagues you have a sixteen playoff. So the value of your of the, the spots on your roster has changed. There might be guys sitting on your bench right now that you're not going to really need, and your opponents aren't going to be able to use them. So don't be afraid to cut players off of your team just to backfill your roster with players that could potentially help your opponent, mm-hmm. um, and also stack up defenses that have good matchups over the next next few weeks, either for yourself or that, to make sure that your opponent doesn't get them. Um, and lastly, like I mentioned earlier, don't be afraid to bench guys with big names if they have an obvious bad matchup because that could be the difference between you winning a championship or not. All right. Breakfast is on the line. I need that championship, so I'm going to go and make those corrections right now to my roster so that I can beat you. So you're really just feeding my fire so that I can beat you, Derek. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Today's show was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats. Buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps with their deal score technology they rank the most valuable seats based on price location historical data and more plus every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence best of all our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app use code GOSAINTS at checkout SeatGeek score the best deals on tickets all right that'll do it for today's show we're excited to see you all in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome at noon on Sunday as the Saints take on the 49ers we'll have your pregame coverage on New Orleans Saints and the Saints app at 10 a.m. And of course, post-game press conferences of Sean Payton and Drew Brees immediately following the game on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.